Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cadle, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church and campus ministry here in very sad Los Angeles, California. One of our two NBA teams has gone down. Bubble has been popped by another team from another state. Busted. Isaac Paris, I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado, a university that currently has asked all of its students uh, on campus and off to uh, stay at home uh, for the next two weeks, except to go to class, to go to work, uh, to take care of their children, and you could still go to the rec center also. One of those is not like the others. I'm not sure which one it is, but if you went to the rec center, you could play basketball by yourself. Uh, and you could practice the dirty, dirty moves that Nikola Jokovic uh, threw down. Matt, they're just going to have to delay the whole whole conference championship round. The conference finals are going to be delayed because they're going to have to clean up that filthy mess that Jokic made with about 90 seconds left up by 18 where he throws a behind, a no-look, over-the-head backwards pass to a cutting Jamal Murray. It was incredible. Wow. Wow. He is a joy to watch. Joy. <laughs> a joy to watch. Denver Nuggets, as expected, as just ex- making their way through these playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's a piece of good news here uh, in Boulder, uh, in, in Colorado in general. I do appreciate, I want to say, that the Nuggets are named after Denver and not Colorado. I don't appreciate Colorado as a name of a of a of a sports team balls right it's like the charlotte hornets i think are way better than the very generic carolina panthers because uh, if you haven't been around you may not know what city carolina plays do you know what city carolina plays in man i do not i mean they play raleigh? in charlotte they could play in raleigh they could play anywhere <laughs> you know um i'm glad that fate of, of naming teams after Massive regions in an effort to get more uh, do, fans has gone away. Do they away. play in Lincolnton? They play in L-Town. I'm just That's naming right. any Boger towns that I know of. City. They play in Denver of the East. That, if they did, they'd be better. <laughs> yeah, or I mean, or you could name your team after like your state's nickname. For example, <laughs> the Golden State Warriors. What state is Colorado? What would it be? Oh, the Centennial State is our official state nickname. Oh, the Centennial which is a pretty bad one. Pretty bad. Uh, Colorado was founded in 1876, 100 years after the United States of America. Exciting. Yeah, in a state full of natural resources and majestic um, beauty and creatures and flowers, we went with a number. Numerical coincidence. Cool. Yeah. The coolest. That, that states founding had everything to do with minerals. Uh, you know... <laughs> I mean, maybe the good so ones are already taken. You know, California had already happened. Uh, I believe Nevada is the silver state. Um, I don't know if they came first, though. Mm. Colorado, not really known for the gold, I don't think, because Leadville, I believe, was more mm. of a silver town back in the day. Though I'm sure there was some gold, you know. Yeah. Well, I, okay. I was going through the other names, and it is, what, Colorado Avalanche and Colorado Rockies. So your other teams, no wonder you're... And Colorado Rapids. Denver. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Broncos, though. Yep, that's a team. What do you think? Like, what? That's interesting. I wonder why they 
choose to do that. There is a whole, I mean, the California Angels, right? Growing up, I have no, 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 no. They were the California. Do you, mean, do you mean the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? Yeah, they got much better about being specific. Um, uh, growing up, I had no do you think the idea. Chicago Fire should have been like the Chicago Fire of Bridgeport. <laughs> it should be the Chicago Land Fire of Bridgeport. Yes. Bridgeview. Bridgeview. They should That's have been right. of Bridgeport because they didn't play there. <laughs> But now they're back home, oh, the wow. spiritual home, playing again in an empty soldier field. It's great. It's great. Things are great. Incredible. Good. We shall see. Now you got to face another LA team. Another LA team. The inferior LA team. Now we play the second best team in Los Angeles. <laughs> I was surprised I on the they internet, Matt. Here, here on the NBA pod. Um, I was surprised on the internet by how salty the Lakers fans were when the Clippers were eliminated. Like, oh, yeah. I didn't think they cared it's that so much cool. about the Clippers. Like, that was... Uh, right? Yeah. Because I was really into it. I, I thought like, it was this is insane. Bizarre. Yeah, I wanted to post, and then I felt like it would be... I don't know. It wouldn't be received very well. But it was like... Yeah, like... Like, so Chicago has two sports teams. Mm-hmm. But, like... White Sox fans hate the Cubs, mm-hmm. like not because they're losers, but because they're losers and beloved. Yep. Like it's those two things together. I feel like, and maybe I don't know. I'm not, I didn't grow up a White Sox fan, but I feel like that's part of the root of why we should hate this team. And I get it. Yeah, I get it for sure. But the, but the Clippers, losers, and they're not that popular. So like, what's the joy in like reveling in their defeat? Like it's just a whole I can't lot believe of these, two, these, yeah. these teams thought they might. Like what? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> and I know you're the Lakers, but it, it's been a while, man. It's it's, it's been a while. Oh, yeah. We got to get Ryan Chaddock on the podcast because he will typically turn it into a moral argument um, about how the, the Clippers are like an immoral team for all these reasons. So they have a, I don't know, like, they're just organizationally, they're bad. Sure. Paragon of morality, we'll Dr. Jerry Buss. We're going to have to get him on to talk, to talk basketball. <laughs> uh, Nick, for that episode, I want you to get the clip ready. Uh, to We need a drop, to be able to drop, of uh, of when Magic Johnson held the press conference of quitting the Lakers before he told Jeannie Buss. <laughs> and he's down in the bowels, and he's like, I just woke up, and I was like, you know, why am I doing this? This is a lot of <laughs> trouble i'm like a bajillionaire i don't need to run a basketball team so i'm on my way up to tell genie right now yeah, oh. incredible how's uh everything still on fire down there it's keeping warm oh my goodness um yeah so uh san francisco was orange last week and not for the giants so that was apocalyptic uh and then in southern california it was just it was just a gross smoky haze for like a week uh and every day i would check the air quality index to see if i could actually do a decent run or you know take my children outside to play (laughs) and it'd be like nope still bad nope still unhealthy not just like i live in los angeles where uh we we have a smog problem you might have heard of and so it often says air quality unhealthy for sensitive groups but uh this was air quality unhealthy for everyone not just the sensitive groups 
uh, and pretty consistent for weeks. So it was pretty bad. But I guess there were some wins last night, so blew some of that out. And now today, blue skies. We only have it's only moderately unhealthy, which nice. is normal for us. Just normal. Like normal. most of American life. So that's cool. <laughs> moderately unhealthy. That's great. That's great, man. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we still got some some scragglers of fire. It appears that the fires are on the downswing, though. So uh, some 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 uh, late arriving, fashionably late arriving uh, smoke. Matt, I've been reading a book. Okay, I don't want to brag, but I can read a book if I want to. Um, and here's the the super flex. I read a book for work. Right? I don't normally read workbooks. Well done. It's Good. not exactly a church book, but it's The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. Have you heard about this one? No. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things where uh, she, as a keynote, does a lot of speaking and stuff and spoke at my uh, wife's annual work conference that their company puts on. And Hannah got the book for that. And she was like, you should read this. You'd really like it. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I would. Uh and so now, about 18 months later, <laughs> I've picked it up and I'm really into it, it turns out. Um, but she's kind of like a organizational design person and stuff. Uh, and so it's not explicitly like church stuff at all, but super helpful. Uh, and the chapter I just read that I think should be incorporated into to worship leadership is a chapter called Don't Be a Chill Host. <laughs> she has this line. Don't be a chill host. Don't be a chill host. Uh, if you want to be chill, go on a yoga retreat. Uh, if you want to host a gathering, you should host a gathering. Uh, and she makes this really compelling argument that I think could be like a real indictment of a lot of worship space. And the pastor is like worship leader because she says that when you become a chill host, the myth that you buy into is that by not claiming your power, you assume that you're creating a powerless event and eliminating that kind of like power dynamic that we think of as kind of gross. Uh, but in reality, you're just creating a vacuum for other people to take power and other agendas and other things to happen. Uh, so she argues mm-hmm. for you to be uh, for for you to be a host with generous authority, generous authority, right? And that you you have power, you should use it, and you should it should be uh, it should be generous. It should be in service of your guest. You should be protecting your guest. Uh, equalizing and connecting your guests. Those are the three things. She talks about how at the like Alamo Draft House. Have you ever been to the Alamo Draft House? The, surely you got something. Once. Yes. Yeah. We have. Right. Uh, and they have a rule there. I'm told, at least in a book, uh, that you can't mess with your phone during the movie. Oh yeah. Right. True. Uh, and they tell you in the introduction that if you you'll get a warning and then you'll get thrown out of the theater. Right. Uh, and that. Like, could you imagine saying something like that on Sunday morning? Right. Uh, And she's saying, right, like you're protecting everyone else there. Sure. Right. It's going to be uncomfortable because when you throw somebody out, they're going to be really upset about it. And the appreciation will be like spread out among all these people. Um, But people have gathered for this specific purpose and you're helping protect that purpose and protect the people. Um, So really switch and make me think about things here, man. Interesting. Is that going to help you enforce your no cell phone policy at Bread and Belonging? It's made me rethink a lot of Bread and Belonging <laughs> stuff. Um, 
that meaningful, How so? meaningful gather, not so much about, I mean, actually, yeah, it has made me think about my hosting, not being a chill host starts to delve a little more into kind of personal gatherings and less kind of corporate ones because not many people host events the way like a pastor does. But I try to be really chill, you know, on on Tuesday nights. Uh, and the other thing that she like argues against doing is uh, taking care of uh, abdicating your power to take care of logistics. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you have a goal. Oh, God. It's of, too close to home. I know. Right. It's the whole thing is just a personal attack on me. Um, if you have this goal for what you want to have happen. Uh, and you give up power just because, like, you need to get dinner out of the oven or whatever. Um, you're not fulfilling your responsibility to your guests. Uh, and that oftentimes, if you just ask, a guest would be more than happy to to go take care of the logistic thing, so that you can continue to to give shape to the the part the party to the gathering that you have promised. Um, but the gosh, here's the other one. Chapter two, Matt was called Close Doors. Right. Where she argues that uh, that uh, exclusivity can be uh, more inclusive than inclusivity. <sighs> right. Uh, so so we worked we're, we're using it, this book for our leadership group who are all trying to like start and facilitate small groups. And so um, we have one group that's going to that wanted to be like uh, a group that would just kind of eat together um, because students are having to like eat alone. And the the group leader is like. I'm thinking kind of like for freshmen, you know, um, but she had never like said this would be a freshman only event or a freshman only group. She, she wouldn't say it, but Priya would say, if that's what you're going for, if that's the space you're trying to create, say that's the space you're trying to create, uh, build the, a, a gathering needs a boundary so that you know that you're in it. Right. And that like party planners and stuff are really big. This is a, a small one, right? Party planners are really big about like, or meeting planners will be really big about making sure the doors are closed to the room because it keeps the like energy in the room. Huh. And we keep all the doors open so that everybody can come in and out. Right. But the truth is that, and it became this reflective thing. Energy bleeds out of our stuff all the time. Right. When people go to get more food and they feel like empowered because they can just walk to the kitchen. So we'll be in the middle of announcements and our announcement times become this like really like personal sharing space. Right. We do good news, bad news, notable potables. Um, and in the past, when we've been in different spaces that are more contained, people don't feel as empowered to just get up in the middle of somebody sharing what their week was like to go get more food or stick their plates in the dish, uh, their dishes in the sink. Um, so how can we close the doors? Oh, yeah. So in a year from now, I might be able to put some of these things into practice. I was going to say, how does it relate to Zoom gatherings? <laughs> Well, Matt, as I mentioned, uh, you're not going to believe this, but uh, COVID's really taken off on campus. A uh, really impressive statistical start here by the virus. And uh, mm-hmm. our chancellor has announced that students are, he's announced his own stay-at-home order, which has does not have the, the weight of law or is even enforceable via our student like conduct uh, code. Uh, but we've got to stay at home order for two weeks. And, you know, because we're good ethical people, that means we're not going to do our Tuesday night dinner for, for the next two weeks because we've been doing it outside with, <clears throat> you know, relatively small numbers. And we got a space. It's been fine. Uh, but we're not going to do it for the next two weeks. So instead, we are going to start up uh, a group 
a, a food delivery service on Tuesday night. So you can order your food somehow. And we're going to figure it out because we found out about this thing yesterday that we can't do what we've been doing for the next two weeks. But shout out to Abby Mollis, our small group leader who's doing the Freshman Supper Club now. Uh, and the name of that group, because we talked about some like ideas for it could be like it could turn into like a um, a thing where they could pick up ingredients and they could cook together on Zoom. Uh, you ready for this? Hello, freshmen. Boom. <laughs> wow. Wow. But we leaned. So nice. they leaned towards being exclusive so that they could be more inclusive. Uh, we did that same. We have. Um, I've had a lot of music majors, and music majors are the most unnecessarily stressed students on campus um, because they feel the pressure that every moment of their life should be dedicated to rehearsal, to practice. Uh, and so they have a difficult time not doing music. So one of our, 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 our one of the folks on our leadership team is working on a group called uh, Not Music Club for Music Majors, um, which started as this like really vague idea of we want to do self-care stuff. I want to do like some self-care stuff. This really like vague, ambiguous stuff. But then we like narrowed it down and got really specific and exclusive, right? Like uh, it says, if you're not a music major, it's not really for you, <clears throat> but goes ahead and says, says that thing that otherwise might've been implied to create real insider belongingness. So oh, that's good stuff. I'm going to have to check that out. That seems to, Seems to be some really interesting overlap with uh, a community organizing training and how we recognize power and the way that we tell ourselves these lies about power, right? All those kind of things. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there are probably ways to be, I don't know what the opposite of a chill host is. Like, <laughs> you probably don't want to be a neurotic host. I don't know, like, what's the opposite of a chill host? Oh, Matt, but you like, just went straight to the, the literal definition can... she gives for being a chill host is a lack of neuroses. Oh. She calls it an, uh, an ungenerous authoritarian host. Ungenerous authoritarian host. Yeah. Is the opposite. Yeah. And that the problem with them is that they, they exercise the power not for the sake of the guests, but for themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I could see that. I could see that. She gives the example of like, a, it was a bourbon, like a new like uh, batch of bur like a new brand launch or whatever uh, and so she attended this really terrible event by the end it became really clear that this was a party to celebrate the <laughs> the small group of people who, put, who built this who came out with the, the, the new uh, mm -hmm. bourbon style or whatever and had nothing like you were just here to be an audience to watch them congratulate themselves right yeah yep I have definitely seen that um yeah i mean it's just like if I, I think that makes perfect sense i think you can still be like a non-anxious presence <laughs> while claiming while claiming the authority that you have right like that you're being really intentional about the things that you're doing she says yeah and i especially like yeah she says that a, a, a non-chill host the problem or the problem with a with some uh, gosh how does she phrase it that the that folks end up not either either going the wrong direction of being too chill or too authoritarian are motivated out of a fear of losing control yeah <laughs> you don't lose control if you never claim control uh, and you don't like become a fascist if you're not afraid that someone's going to rebel yeah no that's really good that's really good stuff um, and I love that piece about uh, what was the line abdicating your power to take care of logistics yeah i feel like that's the 
that's the current learning I'm in. That's like, the crutch no, I use all like, the time. Never, you have to do this. Yeah. Students don't know how to work right. an oven. <laughs> right. Right. But like this realization that like you're never going to get, you're never going to get to the level that you want to be at if you're spending all your time like thinking about logistics. Like it's just, it's a really, mm-hmm. and how current, let's, let's do the, let's do the episode of things I never learned in seminary because that's a really fun thing to complain about why they didn't teach us really productive things in seminary but I do like I do feel like the further on I get I'm like yeah that's really fascinating like the science of like communities gathering and leadership and what that look like like all the things that are happening that you can start to see that we like never (laughs) I didn't know any of that shit (laughs) you know but it seems pretty crucial it seems like a basic building block of what we do (laughs) Um, she's got a whole chart like at the end of the first chapter on like how many uh, how much square foot square feet you you want per person depending on like your event and what kind of energy you want so I'm you know yeah I've got my rule my, uh, yeah. my tape measure ready to go to see how I mean I know we're not like I can tell you like I I know we're way too big uh, but trying to think about how what it would look like to try to find ways to get down to that size yeah. and close, like to do do all that's that why i love this space at st mark's because it's yeah. smaller and because i can move chairs i can like i can game it you know mm-hmm. um but yeah so in fairness even though it's super trite to, crit- to critique what you didn't learn in seminary there's like i feel like sometimes this kind of stuff gets treated as if it's not like as important as like the theological stuff but in fact like this is deeply theological i feel like the assumption like there may be this assumption that like you don't have to worry about this stuff because people will just come to church and mm-hmm. if they're not coming to church because you haven't told them about jesus right. <laughs> once you like tell them about jesus and you preach a really good sermon then they'll just come every sunday and like volunteer for your committees or whatever right but you don't have to like think through like that actually this is gospel too. Like thinking mm-hmm. about how to do gathering well is actually like a theolo- like a deeply when theological. When you don't do act. it, you're not being, not being generous to guests. You know, I mean, that's the like, yeah. like all it would take is one chapter on the theology of gathering to like yeah. pair with this book. Um, but, but uh, you know, when you don't gather well, you're, right. <laughs> you're standing in the way of the good news. You know, like you, right. you have this, you have, p- I mean, it's it's community organizing stuff, right? You have the power to do all of this stuff, uh, yeah. to do all this belonging, meaningful gathering stuff. And when you choose not to use it, it's wasted opportunity. Like, it's not just wasted opportunity. It's the gospel doesn't happen. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I have an intern again, I'll make them read it. Good. <laughs> 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 Oh, well, speaking of power, Matt, Jesus is doesn't talk- show up at all. Doesn't show up here. It's, it's oh wait, I had one more dig I needed to make. Uh, yeah, we don't learn about this at seminary, but then afterwards they're like, you really need to know this number between one and nine and completely understand yourself by it. But don't think about the power you have and how you might use it to affect positive change in the world. Whatever. If you just told people about their enneagram number, then they'd come to church. We'll start our own seminary, Zach. It'll be great. Oh, it'll be well funded. Well funded. <laughs> Definitely something that LCA needs. They need a seminary started by a couple of white guys. Oh, what can go wrong? All in person, no distance learning, in a geographically remote. So we're place. gonna. 
like the wilderness of sin. Oh, the wilderness of sin. Okay. That's where our seminary will be. The Lutheran seminary at the wilderness of sin. The wilderness Wilderness school, as Daniel Orlander might call it. Sin school. (laughs) So good. I'd like to see the draw, uh, the cartoon drawings of Sin School and uh, in, in Man and Mercy. From the wilderness of sin, we're in Exodus 17. We worked mm. our way through Genesis, now Exodus. Here we are working our way through the wilderness. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Um, the people quarreled with Moses. And said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted. To be fair, they had no water to drink. I mean, I think that's... Their complaints here seem fairly reasonable, unlike last week. The people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord... What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people. Take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. Still got it around, right? You didn't throw that away. Don't, Hope don't, you still got it. Didn't, we didn't and, leave it back at uh, Rephidim. <laughs> and go. I will be standing there on, in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may Drink Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, "Is the Lord among us, or not?" If God would have life, mm. that's a good question. You know, I think you could do some stuff with that, right? Like, I mean, it kind of goes to the uh, continuation of the gather, like the art of gathering conversation, the the test of your of your gathering, whether I suppose online or in person, right, should be have a clear answer to is the Lord among us or not? I mean, it's a hard question, right? But yeah, I really like as I read it this time, I got all these notes from three years ago. I'm just so impressed with your, your organizational time. skills, man. That I have all the readings from one year shoved into a Manila file folder. I mean, if I searched deep enough into Evernote, I could probably find it. I'm struck by this last, I mean, the last question, but the whole last verse, verse 7, he called the place Masa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord. Uh, And I guess those words mean what? Quarrel and test, I'm guessing? Something Uh, like that? Yeah, 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 for sure. (laughs) I'm wondering, like, what will we call this place? What will we call this time? What will we call it? Sin school. <laughs> Could be. Could be. The school of brokenness. Not a bad name. I mean, this is the thing that they remember about it is the quarrel, the quarreling and the testing. And maybe they need to. Like, maybe there's actually something really important about that. Telling the truth about how they experienced that time. Mm-hmm. Um, or... They could have. They could have called it the place where the water came out of the rock. Like that would yeah, be another did not. thing they could call it. Uh, I mean, it's just what do we what do we call the the time that we live in? What do we call the place where we are? Which is really a way of saying how do we think about it? How are we going to frame this? Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily to give meaning to it. It's not like they give some kind of bullshit meaning to the place when they give it those names. It's more like what are the things that we're going to carry with us. Um, and I, I don't know. I think that's an important question to ask. 
Yeah, no, that's great. You know, they like... <laughs> If this were to happen to us, if we were on a camping trip together and we discovered a place where water came out of a rock, I think we would name it after that instead of the fight we had before. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Although I could think of like a million times where like, you know, taking a beautiful photograph and then I go, oh my God, like my kids were a mess on that trip though. Like I remember that, right? Like the things that you don't see, but like this is the thing that I'm going to remember about that day like <laughs> I mean there's truth in that you know like I had a, where was a big fight that day yep there was a there was a meltdown we call this meltdown uh, meltdown rock right here we uh we went uh, camping last weekend Matt and it was near near idyllic uh last minute we went up to this like first come first serve site up uh, kind of just up just up in the mountains and we got a spot next to a creek um I caught a fish in the creek with Zoma like watching so she got to like touch the fish and see it you know first time she got to see see me catch a fish I mean it was it's been nice and cool right like just crushed it and uh, towards the end of the evening Zoma walked up to us and said look and in her hands was a dead bird (laughs) 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 and we said uh we reacted and uh, she's currently at a stage where she gets very upset and embarrassed if you get mad or anything at her uh, and so she throws it on the ground and uh, we found Meltdown Rock next to Dead Bird <laughs> it's real keep it real here on the vinyl mm-hmm. vinyl preacher you know Matt um, if Moses had struck that rock just one more time wine would have come out do you think so? Yeah. Is yeah. that how it works? Now you gotta rock to water, water to wine. That's how it... It's like rock, paper, scissors. That's how they played it in the Asian Near East. <laughs> I do, Matt. The only extra note I have to, he had known. to throw onto this story is I think it's important that when Moses goes to, to Yahweh, uh, Moses says, they are about to stone me. And so if you're looking for that, like, cruciform switcheroo transformation, the rock... Uh, is the weapon by which Moses is threatened with death, and yet somehow the rock is the thing that becomes the source of new life. So, Amen. Hide in plain sight way there. Go, way to find that. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have in the gospel? Well, Matt, a lot has happened. We have skipped a lot. I gotta look at my notes here. Like, how did we just... Yeah, we could, we're moving off of this, like... Two weeks of Jesus as uh, the the Secretary of Labor uh, into like something completely different. Jesus has entered Jerusalem uh, and he enters the temple. The chief priests and the elders of the people come to him as he was teaching and said, uh, "By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority?" And Jesus said to them, well, "I'll ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, he's a little like troll, like." Uh, he's like under a bridge, you know, it's like, I will also ask you one question and to tell me the answer. And then I'm going to tell you by what authority I do these things. And then you may cross the bridge. Did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, they'll both well, Why did you not believe in him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd for all regard John as a prophet. And so they answered Jesus. We do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. And then it goes on, but I'm going to stop here for a second to say there's this kind of like pointed, heated exchange here. And we're getting this in the lectionary completely out of context, right? Jesus is in the temple 
And they have a question that, sure, you can read it from an angle in which they're trying to entrap Jesus. That's a common thing that, you know, the chief priests and the elders do. But let's let's press rewind for a couple of verses, right? You just have to go to the start of this chapter when Jesus uh, takes the temple by force and throws the money changers out with, uh, you know, his whips and stuff. Uh, and he cusses out a fig tree, right? Like... Jesus is getting super angsty here. Um, and so, like, <laughs> he shows back up in the temple. I would, ex- as a chief priest and elder of the church, I would have some questions if somebody did that the last time they came to church. <laughs> they show up two days later and you, they're teaching in your church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got some questions. Uh, <laughs> so perhaps this might be a good week to provide a little bit of context into the intensity of what's happening here. But yeah. Jesus, Jesus expounds. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and he went. And the father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. And so which of the two did the will of his father? And they said the first. And Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. So power uh, is a big part of the first part of this. I don't know exactly how connected. I mean, they are connected. They're connected. Matt, I completely renege on what I said. They're connected. Uh, power is power and authority. It's the same word that gets translated as authority here in the NRSV. Um, power primarily would have come in one of two ways. Uh, by birth, which Matthew takes a little bit of liberty. He has it both ways with Jesus on this. Um, but from the perspective of chief priests and elders, uh, they don't seem to know that Jesus is a direct descendant of Adam um, and David. Uh, so in their eyes, he's this poor refugee um, uh, born out of wedlock or whatever, um, who doesn't have, who would not have wealth and power uh, to be born into, which is the primary way people had power. The second way people would have power is that a patron would give it to you. Um, so like the big boss would say, you go in my place. So Herod has power because Caesar gives it to him. Right. And so Jesus might have this power uh, because Herod has given it to him. And so those are the only two ways they could conceptualize having power. But Jesus' power and the power of John the Baptist that he points out to uh, points out comes from the people, uh, which is not generally a way power came and was a very dangerous power that upset the status quo. Um, But Jesus, to drill down even further, Jesus' power from the people comes because of his deeds. Um, And I think that's where you're going to connect here, that it's the deeds of Jesus that give him power. And so he sets up this this dichotomy between the sons here and the one uh, the father's pleased with the the son who actually does the work, no matter what they say. Um, So Mm -hmm. when I hear that question in the first reading, is the Lord among us or not? Are you doing the work or are you not doing the work? Um, That's what Jesus is opening up and, and lifting up. And empowering um, the reality that 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 the that the the scope of those who are included in the in the workers, the people doing the work, is 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 well beyond the imagination of the chief priests and the elders and us. 
Amen. Amen. Your intention yeah, doesn't matter. It's all about the words. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Intention and outcome, words and actions. It's all. It's all right here. Amen. And as we learn, Matt, you don't want to be afraid of the crowd. That makes you a bad leader when That's you're right. afraid of you losing so control of the crowd. It means you're not comfortable in your own authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You better come to an organizing training. I attended a webinar one time. Oh, my gosh. Not a webinar. Okay. Good. One time. Mm-hmm. One time. I said go, and I went. <laughs> so I did both. I'm better than both these, these jokers. But not Jokic. Oh. Who, like John the Baptist well, and Jesus, gives us hope. Because, as you may have heard him described on the ABC National Telecast, he can't jump very far, very high. He can't run very fast. He's not very quick. Uh, but he's the greatest passing big man of all time. And he can't grow a beard. Uh, Incredible. There's a. You heard the beard uh, argument before, Matt? You're a philosophy major. It's one of those like debate club things. Uh, when is a beard a beard? Like, how many hairs does it take to have a beard? When does it switch from just being not being a beard to being a beard? And all you got to know is Nikolai Jokic does not have a beard. <laughs> Someone should ship him, see if we can get him a razor up in that bubble. Because um, he's not gotten one and makes me feel like I could grow a beard. That's He does a lot to empower the people. Incredible. Well, I'm glad that we retranslated this word authority as power. Because it does seem like something that the church needs to continue to reckon with. Um, it needs to reckon with power. Uh, and not even just the power that we have, but, the, but yeah, the lies that we tell about it, the way we pretend that we don't have power when we do. We're uh, such a, and, we, we swings on such yeah. such ends, you know, of like, like it's so yeah. annoying to go to a church thing that like presumes it's important, right? Like, yeah. oh, we're the church, yeah. what we say matters. But it's also really like, <laughs> it makes you feel me feel really bad to go to a church thing where it's like, well, we're just the church. Uh, I mean, this doesn't really matter, does it? Like, um, right. There should be some. Yeah. 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 Well, that so and that ties into this this dichotomy between words and actions where, you know, we still spend so much time on words Um and not nearly enough on, on figuring out actions. Um, and it's not that the actions save us, but the words don't either. Like, it's all a response. Uh, and, and what kind of response we're going to have, we spend way too much time trying to have the right words as our response and not in right action. So good text to wrestle with and grapple with. Right. How awful was uh, Love, <laughs> Lovecraft Country this week? Oh, my gosh. That's painful. That was gross. That was so... I mean, it was pretty good, I think, it was... but it was real gross. Yeah. Hey, shout out. Yeah. Uh, I got a shout out, Matt. Brian Jaster. Yaster? Jaster. Yaster. I haven't met him yet. He's a faith formation person, uh, staff person at Bethany Lutheran Church down in Cherry Hills Village. Uh, was in a Zoom with me earlier today and private messaged me. He, he got up in my DMs and he said something really nice. He said some nice things about the podcast. So if you want to shout out oh. in the podcast and you're in a Zoom, uh, with us, just DM us nice things and we'll <laughs> blow you up to yeah. tens of listeners on the pod. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, 
What are we listening to? Matt, uh, I start off with some power songs. Uh, and I'm going to go with power, all caps, uh, from Kanye, of my Twisted Dark Fantasy. Uh, good power song, power album, after the insanity of... Uh, of uh, of uh, of the Taylor Swift situation there, uh, then Matt, I didn't want to have to put it. I didn't want because I don't like them, you know. Like I don't listen to them for fun, but it felt hard not to do it. But I'm gonna go. Uh, I don't know. Have you been keeping up with uh, like the newspapers and social media and stuff? I've been going. <laughs> I've reestablished my relationship with Five Thirty Eight. Um, you know, I'm, I think they've changed uh, yeah. this time. So I'm going to 538 for my primary news source. And my secondary news source is uh, I go. I've, there's this guy named Huey, Lu, Huey Lewis uh, and the news. Uh, they're my other news source. They're great, nonpartisan, tell you like it is. And one of the things they tell you like it is about is the power of love. Uh, it don't take money. It don't take fame. But it'll change your life. The power of love. Wow. Wow. And last, I needed a Stone Rock song. Uh, and so I was looking on Josh Ritter's Sermon on the Rocks, uh, which is a good album title. Uh, but he's got an, uh, a track on there called The Stone. So Josh Ritter's The Stone. Nice. What are you listening to, Matt? You getting your music from your news sources? Well, besides uh, 538, which I listened to... It's like it's almost more terrifying to listen to than Lovecraft Country. Like I never know what's coming. And I'm just oh. always terrified. And then I get through the podcast and they haven't said anything like apocalyptic, and I'm like, I can like have this deep breath because it's over for another week. And then I, I, that's pretty much where we're at. I humble bragged about <laughs> doing some phone banking recently, um, but it has destroyed my inbox because now I'm getting so many emails from operatives, you know, and they know they need to like motivate me to do things. And so, like, they they swing so hard in both directions, right? Like, uh-huh. oh, my God, Lindsey Graham's going to go down in South Carolina. All we need is a few more hours of phone banking, right? <laughs> Two, like, Joe Biden's definitely going to lose Florida and Pennsylvania and probably every other state that you care about. Um, uh, that's not helpful to me. Brutal. Brutal. I'm going to be so glad. Am I going to be glad when it's over? I don't even know. I hope. I hope. (laughs) I hope. We had a Bible study this week, and more than once, uh, one of the participants on the call would go to, like, well, it's kind of like Donald Trump. I mean, look at that awful thing he did this week. Like, just, like, (laughs) ripping into Donald And I just, I agree. I just don't, I can't. I couldn't. I can't spend this Bible study dwelling in it but I, I i mean i don't i can't i don't disagree i i'm just yeah, really just been ready to be after, talking been about four, this, week, four years of those Please, weeks can we just move okay i remember how clever i felt when i like made the nebuchadnezzar donald trump like connection four years ago <laughs> yeah yeah i felt clever back then now you just feel sad just like, uh, let's ignore that part. There's nothing instructive that can come from it. <laughs> so what are you listening to, Matt? You got emo? You got emo songs? Uh, What's I'm listening to, uh, well, uh, so I went out today for my run and I just I saw Blue Sky. So I put on Electric Light Orchestra's Mr. Blue Sky. Nice. Which I only know about from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, uh, which is a happy memory from former times when we could go to things like movie theaters and have a good time. So uh, Yolo's Mr. Blue Sky. 
which is a fun way to start the day. Uh, and then sometimes I just like to throw on some new music. Uh, and so Janelle Monae's Turntables is really good. I love it when Janelle Monae is on fire and this song is on fire. I love it. Uh, and then finally, with this stuff about father and son. So this is also a song that was like the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 soundtrack. I have not seen this movie in a while. I don't know why it's in my brain. Uh, but Yusuf slash Cat Stevens is re-recording T for the Tillerman. In honor of his 50th birthday. And so for this father and son song, his classic father and son, it's like a dialogue between a father and a son. And so he's recording it as himself now. And then he pulls in his voice from when he was young with the with the, the son's uh, verse. And then it goes back to the his adult verse now singing back to him, uh, which is kind of fun. So I'll it's put that on fun. there with this because these are father and sons here in this parable. So we'll yeah. throw that on there. I did enter this week, Matt. I entered a drawing because Nathaniel Rateliff is doing a series of live shows this week at Red Rocks for 150 people. I did not win. Uh, and, and on StubHub, the tickets are going for $6,500 for general admission at Red Rocks. Live shows no. returning, just not for, for me. Well, it's been real. Real vinyl.